Hear the words of Jesus. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Thus far the words of our text from John chapter 15. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is a day when we are talking about vocation, the Word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. We heard how the Holy Spirit came in great might upon the church at Pentecost, by some measures marked as the beginning of the New Testament church, yet a spirit present throughout all dealings of God with men, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, perfect in unity. Of course, sometimes people bemoan the fact that, oh, the Holy Spirit is the um, quiet or the unknown member of the Trinity. Perhaps we should do more to elevate. However, that really misses the point. Fellow redeemed, we know that God doesn't need our help to do his work. In fact, we should understand quite clearly from the very words of Jesus today where he said, he will bear witness about me, about Jesus. That the reason that the Holy Spirit would seem to some to be quiet is that he's not really quiet at all, but that he keeps talking about Jesus. Because Jesus, the Savior, is the one we need to know Jesus is the one who spoke the words, as he would often say, not my own, but the words that came from my Father. He has spoken to us. And as Jesus himself also says, you know, the Father has given me everything. Everything's mine. And the Holy Spirit is going to give everything to you. The perfect unity of the Trinity in loving kindness coming into this world to save you and me is profound. And God the Holy Spirit proclaims the name of Jesus, the gospel, calling us to repentance and to faith so that we'll be saved, so that we live. God cares for you. It was precious, wasn't it, to see the young people of the congregation coming forward, the children, the little lambs of God's flock here, who come to feed on the Word of God, taught here in church and in Sunday school class, and at their table at home with their parents. Also in your bulletin today, you see a folder with high school students. I've since found we, need, we missed one and maybe more. We've been blessed so abundantly. And as you read through, you probably remember, if you've been here more than a few years, look through the faces, you probably remember those students, don't you? As little kids. Coming forward, just like we saw the little children of the Sunday school. 
And as you read about their vocational interests for the future, perhaps you remember your own future when you were in high school looking forward to what was to come. And parents, loved ones, congregational members, let us remember to pray for these young people, for they continue to bear witness to Jesus in their work in the community and in the world in a wonderful way. And yet, they need to know that they don't go alone. Do you know what the word paraclete means? No, it's not a bird. It means someone that you call alongside of you to help you. That's the fancy old word for the Holy Spirit. Or the more regular word used in the translation that is our uh, Bible in the pew today of helper. You have another picture in your bulletin today. Do you see this? We had a uh, chaplain from the Navy visit us a few Sundays back. Uh, one of our members, of course, served, many, many of our members have served in the armed forces, many interested in chaplaincy. Perhaps being a medic. And what do you see there? I see a strong picture of a paraclete. You know, sometimes when we think of God, the Holy Spirit, we think of almost more like Jiminy Cricket. You know, a little Jiminy Cricket sit on our shoulder, always let the, you know, conscience be your guy like. God is a bigger helper than a little bug. I want you to think more of like a medic when you've been struck and you're wounded. You're fighting as hard as you can just to live and to drag through the mud and now you can't even move. And you call out, Medic! Help! And one of your comrades comes to you puts you on his shoulders, carries you, saves you. This whole section in John chapter 15 and 16 was written during the heat of a battle. It was a great battle where the disciples saw their Savior taking hits continually, attacked because they rejected Jesus, for who he claimed to be, they rejected him personally and they attacked him personally to destroy him. And Jesus said, and I will be crucified and die. And on the third day be raised. But they just heard the first part, it appears. They saw that they didn't believe that Jesus was the Holy One of God. And Jesus, as he looked at his disciples, and as he looked at their vocation, one that even these little children, even our high school students, and yes, you and me, a vocation that we all share to be witnesses. Oh, by the way, the old word for witness is martyr. To bear witness with our whole life to Jesus, to his words. But where are we going to get those kinds of words? How are we going to be so big and brave and strong? As Jesus looked at his disciples, he said, you know, I'm not even going to tell you everything because you can't take it right now. 
Indeed, we're like soldiers in the mud. And what is the mud? Well, you know, this past week there was another shooting in a school. How much more violence and trouble do we see? And like blind people, we chase around looking for this or that law that we can throw up and not looking at the mirror to say, how in the world did we get to be a society so full of rottenness that we produce this kind of evil? We look for legislation when we should be looking for repentance. How did we get to be so evil? Oh, I suppose it could be to do something with the vile nature of our social discord. No, could it be? Could it be with the extremist of thoughts that we share in all kinds of media, in all kinds of ways, and the violence and hatred and lack of respect that we see for authority? Oh, yes, I'm sure. Could it be with our total disregard for the lives of the unborn, for those who are older, for those with disabilities, for those who are different? The problem is us, isn't it? The problem is our whole culture. The problem is that we need the Lord. Oh, and that's a lot harder to solve by ourselves. In fact, we can't. Because it involves recognizing that we're a bunch of dead people. We're like Ezekiel talking about the dry bones, spiritually, a valley full of them, dry bones. Can we live? Can we get out of this death of sin that we're in that infects everything so deeply? Prophet wisely says, Lord, you know. Wisely pre preaching, I can't. And so God commanded the prophet to say his words, because it wasn't his, the prophet's words, it was God, and said, and I'm going to cause skin to come back on you. And he did it, but they were still dead. Just having a form of godliness is not the same thing as life. And then he called to the winds and hear the words of Pentecost again, the great and mighty rushing wind, and he came across that valley of dead people, and they breathed. And not only were they breathing, they stood up on their feet, and not only were they standing on their feet, they were a mighty army because of the power of God. A mighty army of righteousness. Fellow redeemed, we are spiritually dead and helpless. But God has raised us from the dead. Perhaps it was when you were a little baby, or as a child, or older. Perhaps you remember as We've seen these little kids. You probably remember some of them baptized. You probably remember some of the high school students when they were baptized, perhaps. But it is in baptism that God comes upon our spiritually dead dry bones and raises us to life. It is there that we are united with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus.
Jesus, who came filled with life, but gave his eternal life for you and me, so that our sin would be removed forever, dying our death, and then rose again from the dead, because he is now our life. And in the end of days, just as is prophesied again, what God prophesied takes place. Our dead dry bones for wherever they are, God will raise us from the dead, new glorified bodies never again to fall into the despair and the trouble and the injury of death. But to live before him in holiness and righteousness forever. That is what Jesus sees, not only for those disciples back then, but he now sees it for you. For he has given you a vocation to be his martyr. That means to bear witness to him with the very fiber and substance of your life. To bear witness, to be my witness, to be my martyr. In the home, as parents teach their children the words of truth, and do battle with the devil who comes at us to distract us from the most important thing, to starve our children of God's word, if that be possible. Humanly, we have a lot of problems. But it's not about us. It's God the Holy Spirit who will beat back the devil, who will pick you up in all of the wounded troubles that you find just in holding life together, put you on his shoulders, and preach his words through your mouth that your children can live. It is God the Holy Spirit that does that for us also as we serve one another's families in our extended families as grandparents, aunts and uncles, as single parents and single individuals within our congregation lead lives of nurture, mercy, It is also something that we see in our neighborhoods as we care for those who are around us in our community. And when you think of your vocation, what is is it that I do for a living? We can all add a, we can note something down there, can't we? Say, well, I do this for a living. That's my calling in life. But we have one main calling, don't we? What do you do for a living? I bear witness to Jesus. How do you do that? Well, I work downtown doing this or that, or in this particular manufacturing plant, or in this profession over here, and it is there that I bear witness every day to Jesus. For it is God the Holy Spirit who goes beside you, again, not as just a little notion, but as the very substance, fiber, and power of your life and witness, and who preaches the words of God, calling people to hope. You know, the dead aren't that valley full of dry bones as Israel saying, oh, we just, there's no hope. And doesn't that kind of describe the way our world is today? Everybody's kind of like dry bones laying around. Oh, there's just no hope. Humanly speaking, there could be no truer thing to say. But with God, nothing is too wonderful. And as the prophet saw a mighty army come from the dead dry bones, we have a gospel to proclaim. 
And it needs to be proclaimed all over the place, in the home, in the church, and then in the community, in the specific ways in which God has placed you to be his witness, that you can tell of the wonderful things God has done for you, so that other people, dry bones, can have some hope. Because again, it's not your words, it's not my words, it's Jesus who is speaking. You know, fellow redeemed, every week when we come into the divine service, we walk the pattern of our life. And this is what I mean. You know, a lot of times we think of the pattern of life, you know, various um, stages in going through Sunday school, various stages in education, you know, high school graduations, college, careers, family, whatever it comes. We walk the big pattern. It began when we were raised from the dead in holy baptism. It was there that our lives were bound to Jesus and his eternal life was given to us. We were God's children. As we walk into church, we remember that throughout our pilgrimage in this life, the Holy Spirit nurtures us, sustaining us in the faith and preaching the words of Jesus into our hearts on allowing us to hear those words from one another. In psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, the word of God, words of Christian encouragement, words in home, he preaches to us Jesus' words. So that in the end, as today, later, we will come to this communion rail. We will be in, pres in the presence, the physical presence of God. Jesus' true body and blood. You know, Jesus said that this is what the Holy Spirit's going to do no matter what kind of opposition you face. Don't, don't be worried. He'll convict the world concerning sin. We just preach the truth of the gospel. The great sin is not believing in Jesus. That was the sin that Jesus faced all the time. That was the sin that was maybe terrifying the disciples, the sin of rejection. Who doesn't fear that? So don't worry. The Holy Spirit will convict the world. They cannot say, they did not hear the truth, for I will preach it through you. And he will convict the world concerning righteousness. Jesus says, because I am going to the Father. Think about this, fellow redeemed. Jesus lived in human flesh. He died in human flesh. He rose in human flesh. He ascended in human flesh. And he now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead in human flesh. The same human flesh that you receive in the Lord's Supper. Take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood. Today, you are with God. God is with you. And he will convict the world. In the judgment. Deliver us from evil. 
Jesus put that petition in the Lord's Prayer on purpose. Of course. But we really need that one. Because the evil one, which is perhaps the other translation a little more to the point there, deliver us from the evil one, is terrible. And since he can no longer hurt the Lord, he strives only to cause misery and suffering and death and trouble. And boy, don't we know that. And it's not our place, or by our strength rather, to say that we are going to put the devil in his place. For God will do it. The prince of this world stands condemned. While God allows this world to continue that the gospel may be preached, and while we continue to suffer various things, it doesn't change the fact that when Jesus rose from the dead, the power of the evil one was broken. It doesn't change the fact that even though we live through this life and cause, have various troubles, and the last day will be raised from the dead, and the grave will release us to be with the Lord forever. It doesn't change the fact that the evil one who causes so much misery is a broken, dead enemy who is only allowed to exist that the victory of the gospel may increase. So as we consider the work of God, the Holy Spirit, today we marvel kind of like the people of long ago who were walking around kind of dumbfounded. What is this? We hear our own language in our native language. It's like going to another country and hearing somebody speak English in, in our accent from Michigan. That's what they were hearing. They were scared. And we will be likewise amazed as God the Holy Spirit preaches the words of Jesus to all nations and as he does it through us his martyrs in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Amen Please stand